one, two, three. Welcome to the ESBC Podcast Network. My name is Brandon First, aka First Report, of course, PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. It is Monday, so it's time to talk a little NBA basketball. We got a special treat for you tonight. Our local corruption expert, Josh Bizkay, helps us continue to make you money with the number two rule of betting. Do your research. So we have taken the ESBC podcast family to a new level with coach Dane Suttle, graduate of Fremont High and a two-time All-West Coast Conference player at Pepperdine. He coached countless NBA talents, including James Harden, Baron Davis, and Nick Van Exel, just to name a few. He is here with us to help make sense of the NBA bubble. It is an honor to welcome you to not only the podcast, but to the network um, and definitely the NBA podcast. How are you doing tonight, Coach Settle? Oh, I'm doing fine. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here uh, to, to discuss some of the teams that's in the bubble and talk basketball and, and put the information out there that, that, that I gathered with as much as I can. <laughs> No, no, that's awesome. And uh, Coach uh, Suttle, as, as I look at it, at your background, man, you haven't gotten the credit you deserve, but we're going to change that as we're going to have eyes on everyone to can see the, the phenomenal, great career you have. And man, uh, you're 58, but you can tell people you're 38, man. You look great, Coach. Well, I appreciate that, you know. Uh... Life's been pretty good to me, and uh, I try to stay fit and and just you know try to keep you know life simple and uh, try to you know eat right and and give our love to other people. No, that's awesome, Coach. We can tell. And uh, we were chatting earlier. Uh, we'll do a little history of Coach because he's had a phenomenal Hall of Fame career, and I'm just saying he is in the WCC. Hall of Fame, been around Hall of Fame coaches, uh, people who have won uh, NBA titles or close to NBA titles, NCAA championships, and it all started at Fremont High, and my brother went to Hawthorne High, and he tells me the days of playing against Byron Scott and Leon Wood, who I believe is still currently an uh, NBA referee. Right. That's kind of ironic. You know, uh, Byron Scott and Leon Wood is a graduate of 1979. And that's the year we came out of high school together. And uh, I was able to, you know, uh, intertwine with them individuals on a personal level and then on a competitive level. And I have much respect for Leon Wood and Byron Scott. No, that's awesome. And what are some memories from Fremont? What was uh, what was your best game there? Well, I, it, it, one of my better games, I never won a city championship. I was a, a two-time scoring champion in the city. But the game against Morningside, Byron Scott, my senior year, <laughs> I, I think, uh, I mean, for me at that time, when Byron was All-American, Coach Herrick was there, uh, my former coach, Jim Herrick, he was recruiting at UCLA at the time, and UCLA wasn't recruiting me. And uh, we had a phenomenal game, and uh, we beat Morningside, and Byron had a, like 37, I had 33, and then my teammate, who I don't want to just leave out, Casper, where a senior, was a great player, too. So, you know, right. we had a great time. Right. And how was the recruiting process? You're, you're being coached, uh, in hindsight, by uh, Coach Herrick. 
who's a Hall of Fame coach, won the national ch- title. We'll talk about Titus in the later. Uh, how's the recruiting process, and how did you end up at Pepperdine? Yeah, what happened was I was going to commit to uh, Oregon State, uh, but Jim Herrick had got the job that summer at U- got at, it. at Pepperdine. I think he was assistant at UCLA. And he came in and he really did a great recruiting job. Uh, he really told me what I wanted to hear from, you know, having the basketball, getting the opportunity. You know, he already was a big time recruiter. So right. he knew what to say. Right. No. Now uh, you had a phenomenal Hall of Fame career. And I don't want to do this, but since I got you here, I have to because I remember watching this game and I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. Because and Brandon first is with me, right? We're all uh, one of those people that get upset about East Coast bias, right? Right. And to further that, we had John Bronson on. He was part. Of, uh, he played for the Arizona Cardinals. Right. And, and I don't want to bring up some bad memories, okay. but no, no, no. When you, I mean, bring it on up. I'm ready. Right, right. For it. And, and I'll say what, uh, Coach. God bless his soul. He died. Uh, rest in peace, Denny Green, the famous quote right. after her. We had him, we knew who they thought they were, and we let him get away. But if you're going to let somebody get away, uh, at least it was Jim Valvano, right? Who, who did right. one of the greatest speeches for cancer, right? You That's can right. take my body, but you can't take my soul. And one theme that we have that coach can coach us on and we have a we're honored, privileged, and lucky that we can get coach on to teach us this, right? That we learned from John Bronson, and I was lucky with great parents to taught us this. Uh right. first had a great dad, mental toughness, right? Right. And, and coach's speech uh Valvano was about mental toughness. You can take my body, you can't take my soul. But take us through the famous game that ended up, you know, in the national, at least you guys lost to the team that won the national title, right? Yeah, but, but, for, but yeah, but for me, you know, due respect, rest in peace, uh, Coach Valvano. Right. That that was probably the strangest game I've ever played in. Right. They, they made illegal the stuff he did at the end of the game. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, well, for me, it, it played in our hands, but, uh, to be honest with you, throughout the whole game, he did run a complex defense right. against us. He slowed the ball down. I, w- I was playing out the corner, which, you know, I was a player that I had a great communication with Coach Hack. We we had some disagreements about, you know, where I was playing at the time. But right. I think late in the game, uh, just the, 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 the weight of the game, uh, the hard play of everybody, I, I think fatigue set in. I don't want to make it an excuse. Right. right. When I missed the first free throw, right, in the one-in-one scenario, uh, that you got to make the first one to get the second one, I tried to adjust the second free throw. Right. Because I was very surprised to myself that I missed the first free throw. So now a little mental things creep into you on the mechanics right. of the game. Right. And, and, and I, it, just, it just didn't happen. Right. Didn't happen. Right. Right. And you had a 54 on your team, right? Yeah, Bill Sattler, a close friend out of New York. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy because I was rooting you know, for you guys it. so hard. I was rooting for the West Coast team against the that I still, in that game, how long ago was that, 30 years ago? And it still Man. sticks in his mind because if he hits that free throw, the game's over anyways. You guys win. 
Yeah, and, and it's, you know, and everybody, if, if you look back at that game, because I, I I didn't like to watch. Regardless of the complex defense they ran, and regardless, you guys had them beat. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but, but when I ran over the guy, I really didn't, you know, like watching the game because it right. wasn't a good memory for me, but it was some. It was a box out at the end of the game where Kozel McQueen hit a shot with like eight seconds right. Right. that they missed the one and one. We go to overtime, and then I could have redeemed myself. I fall out in overtime, and then watching it from the bench, it was really a nail bite right. for me because I thought we might can still put it out, but it didn't happen, and, and a lot of pressure went down on me. And I can take it. I've been there before, so I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> so you showed a tremendous amount of mental toughness, right? Because. Uh, People are different now these days. They kind of change a little bit. And, I'll, you know, in our podcast, we, we, we give real talk to help people, right? To, right. to get them to reality. They, they don't get it in other places. After that loss, a lot of kids would have crumbled. Correct. And then you go and you get drafted in the seventh round. Seventh round, yep. The Kansas City Kings, right? And you go to that camp. You showed a tremendous amount of mental toughness. To I'm sure you dom- You had to have do- from from just reading it. You had to have dominated that camp to end up playing in the NBA. Well, you. I mean, I don't know who you talked to, but you you kind of got it right. Uh, I was I didn't draft <laughs> the seventh round. I really it was hurt a little bit because I thought I should have went higher. But right, I looked at it. I had an opportunity. And uh, my father always told me to do the best that you can do. And I knew I could play with the big boys. So when I went to training camp, I trained hard during the summer and I went in and like you say, I really lit it up and Cotton Fitz Simmons, bless his soul. Rest oh, wow. Man, you've been around all the legends. You go from yeah. Coach Herrick yeah. to Cotton Fitz Simmons, man. I remember yeah, him. Cotton Fitz Simmons was my man because he really believed in me. And nice. uh, yeah, I remember the first day he told me to look for an apartment. You've made the team. Don't tell Eddie Johnson. <laughs> don't tell the other teammates that I made the team. And I can remember that day like it was yesterday. Man, that's that 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 is that is amazing. That's amazing. And what what's your best memories of playing in those uh, old ABA days, right? Yeah. No, it was the it was the NBA. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, my best days was I think when I went to Detroit. And I scored 26 in the second half against the Detroit Pistons. Wow. Uh, I had a moment in San Antonio where I scored 20 points in the fourth quarter against the Spurs. Uh, you know, just playing against Dr. J, scoring like 18 wow. points against them. And I think I, when we played Boston, I went seven for seven against the Boston Celtics one night where I didn't miss a shot. And I got to play against one of my uh, mentors, Dennis Johnson, who went to Pepperdine. Wow. I, 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 you know, I played against him and Danny Ainge, and that, that was a moment, too. The Celtics, the 76ers, you know, always playing against the Lakers. Gordon George Gerving. Wow. Gus Williams, uh, downtown Freddie Brown. <laughs> I mean, I can name them all, but. The original hey, microwave. <laughs> hey, real players back then, really. <laughs> uh, in, 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 in one uh, conversation we were having, uh, it, it might look seeing things right, but I think in your day, in those days, those players were more skilled in the NBA. No disrespect to the NBA guys, but you train NBA guys that are in now. Uh, it seems like back in those days, right, 
right. the players were more skilled. It wasn't the three-point play, but the, the numbers were just as high. The scores in the games were just as high. And it seems like the, the league is watered down, right, compared to it was when, when you played. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a different basketball. I think the physicalities has left the game. Right. It was more physical back in that day when you look at the Michael Jordan back when he came up with the bad boys, the Detroit Pistons, you know, when we played the Pistons, Chuck Daly now. It was a physical game. It, it was more about uh, knowing guys coming out of college versus more like now high school. So you still kind of knew guys across the country, Doc Rivers at Marquette. So when you went right. up against these guys, you know, you really wanted to play for your city, play for the, your neighborhood, your community. And it was just more than playing for the money. It was more playing for the reputation of where you come from and, and, and proving a point that you do belong. Right. I remember as a kid, because uh, I was nine years old and because uh, my brother was on the Hawthorne High team, you would go in and you would see the Lakers practice. And I didn't know what I was watching in those days, but that was like 1979, Kareem, Magic, and all them. And what always stuck with me was what you just said, uh, the pain and anguish, really, of the, the guys that were on the second team, right? Oh, yeah. Because uh, practice was serious, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you if you went to a Laker practice with Pat Riley and, you know, Paul Westhead, whoever was coaching right. that with Magic and Kareem, just the level of basketball. It's just a different level. Right. Of, 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 you know when you're at that other level, and it was physical. Right. No, and uh, that was the time where I forgot the guy's name, but he uh, started the year, and then Westhead took over. Yeah. I remember uh, McKinney, Westhead McKinney, running practices. Yeah, Jack, Jack McKinney, he coached Jack McKinney. me. McKinney yeah. coached me after Cotton. Yeah, he was a good Oh, guy. no way. Jack McKinney. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he came in after Cotton with the Kings my second year. But I liked the Jack McKinney. Nice fella. Uh, he really started the thing. And then right. He had no, he really did. Guy. He put that team together. Yeah. Phenomenal. That's awesome. And after the NBA, where did your career take you? Well, I had hooked up with an agent who you probably know now, right, Who's uh, who run the summer league in the NBA, Warren Legary. Okay. Uh, Juan Legary was an agent back then with Leonard Amato. You just go from legend to legend. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, well. Juan Legary was a friend of Coach Eric, so he recruited me to. Got uh, it. As a, but I didn't sign with him right out of college. I signed with Rudy LaRusso, rest in peace. You remember Rudy LaRusso played with Jerry West. Right. He was my agent at first, but Juan Legary got me a, a contract in Australia, in nice. Geelong. So I went over to Australia and played a year, went over there and tried to play two years. I have, I had a great career over there for a couple of years. So I, I went to Australia, come back, uh, tried out for the Rockets. I was the last cut. It came down to me and World Be Free. Oh, man. I mean, I, I can give you stories on that, but I should have went to Cleveland, who really wanted me, because uh, Gary Fitzsimmons had scouted me from uh, college. Uh, right. So it, I made some bad choices, but my career, I, I, I don't have no excuses. I played in the 6-5 and under pro league with Dave oh, wow. Rubish. They had that pro league at one right. time, John Starks in it, Mario Ellie. Right. A lot of guys left that 6-5 and under league and went back to the NBA. Did you play? Because I remember, too, uh, my family moved from Lennox and Inglewood area. Mm-hmm to San Diego. 
And I think what? it was, might, might have been 83, 84. Yeah, when you were in the league, right? And I remember that huh. San Diego, because you said World Be Free, right? And I remember yeah, when they changed yeah, his name. Because yeah, he was Freeman Mark. Williams. Yeah, Freeman is a friend of mine. Yeah, right. LA. Man, okay. That's my guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, not to bring everybody down, but one of my memories, uh, going to the sports arena, and now, now I'm in the habit of it. Now I'm 13. And now I know how to sneak into places. And I'm watching yeah. a practice, and I'm watching Jellybean Bryant's kids run around. Yeah. One of the, was, was Kobe, Kobe and uh, Jellybean Bryant. So you played against Jellybean Bryant. I played against Joe B, and he was on that team with Norm Nixon. Right. And them guys, yeah, they had a they had a good team. A lot of people didn't know about them, but they had a lot of talent, that, that San Diego. And club. Norm Nixon, you know, and, and you got to talk about the guards during that time. Freeman Williams. Norm Nixon, yeah, uh, the the guy at Seattle, and yeah. downtown Freddie Brown, Gus Williams, Gus Williams, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, you picked the wrong time, man. Any other era, <laughs> <laughs> you would have been an all star. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That was a great time. And, and the guy from New Jersey, remember him? Um, yeah. Who had a short career, but he was one. Michael of the Ray Richardson. I got a book on Michael Ray Richardson. Yeah. Wow. Charlie Rosen yeah, sent me a book on Michael Wright. Uh, Phil Jackson's partner, Charlie Rosen, the writer. He coached me in the CBA. Charlie oh, Rosen, yeah. Jeez, in the CBA. Did you see Phil Jackson in the CBA? I didn't see Phil, but I met Charlie, and me and Charlie still stay in touch. He's Phil Jackson's, uh, you know, publicist. Right, that's awesome. So if you haven't written the book, man, that we'll get that deal done. We'll start writing that book tomorrow. <laughs> And uh, with our 20,000 downloads, 300,000 Twitter impressions, we'll, we'll sell some books, Coach. <laughs> I appreciate it, yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll beat Phil Jackson for uh, sales, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, and we'll talk next podcast, we'll come on as uh, we'll break down the NBA, but we'll also talk about your thoughts on AAU because you were, and I was about to say just what you little bit you told me, I was putting you right in. Because I really, I believed it before uh, BBB Baller said it. Right. You manifest things and you speak things into existence. Yeah. Right? You know, Hall of Fame AAU coach. Can you tell us uh, a few of your favorite players, best players you coach in AAU besides your son? Yeah, well, James Harden. I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean, I don't have to the say. The best player right now in the NBA. And I do have a question about him. Yeah, go ahead with James Harden, and then I'll, I'll introduce. Yeah, it was it, he was a, he was a young he was he was a little chubby, but he had a very high IQ. Uh, I ran a three guard front offense, and I would, okay. he would get the ball on the isolation. I would always tell everybody to move to the other side of the court. <laughs> Similar to what Houston's doing. No, right. A lot of people say well, he don't pass the ball, he dribble too much, but he scores or get fouled, and he's a high percentage player. Right, That's right. why I even isolated him in the ninth grade. And I told wow. my son, Dane Finger, <laughs> I told him, I said, that guy, James Harden, we got on our team, he's special. And I told his mother, Monia, I said, I went by her house one day and I said, born his kid, never get hurt. This when he was in the ninth grade. I said, he's going to do special things. I, re I really, I really saw it. I wow. really, wow. yeah. And, and you can speak to this. Because uh, I saw somebody gave me an underground game during the summer a few years ago. And that's why I knew I thought that uh, Harden and Westworth would play with each other. 
yeah. they were playing on the same team. I, they must have been planning it from because they were on the same team in this underground summer tape. And man, they were going end to end for hours, like effortless. So even it might have been chubby. Uh, U.S.'s coach could see that maybe like um, uh, crossover dribble um, Iverson. There were guys with enormous amount of lung capacity that yeah. even though they might not have worked out, they never got tired. They never get tired. Yeah. And I think that's a testimony to the love of the game. Right. I think when you love something, I think tired don't even come in. James Harden is a basketball junkie. He'll play for no money. And I seen him do it. He just loved basketball. And, you know, it's a blessing that he's, you know, been able to show the world how good he is. And he's smart, and really, I, I felt like, uh, you know, as a business guy, I would I would always object to this and say, no, speak your mind. If you're smarter, tell people how smart you are. But I think he bided his time, and he's almost put that team together, regardless of the analytics, as a GM, you know, and gotten Westbrook on there. Oh, oh yeah, he's he's. And now a- I got more insight. You 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 put that offense in his brain. <laughs> He has much respect for me. Uh, James knows that, you know, that year I got to work with him. I, I was around him after that also. And I, I instilled some things, you know, in him. Right. I, you know, he, he really took to it really well. But that guy is like you say, he's a genius on the basketball court. Uh, he's really was a point guard in college where everybody thought he was a two guard but he uses both of them to his advantages. You know, the, the mindset of a point guard and the scoring ability as a two guard, it makes him that, that kind of guard, the, the best guard on the planet. Right. Now, one guy who always makes a lot of news, and it'll be interesting to see your insight, is uh, Byron Davis. And maybe we can get him on the podcast and uh, have him oh, yeah. break yeah, things Byron down Davis. for us. Uh, he... They're saying that Byron Davis was the one that planted the seed in the NBA front office and Adam Silver that maybe you have to get Sterling out of the NBA because of the way he treated uh, Byron Davis and how he was really verbally abusive to Byron Davis on the court. But I remember him at UCLA. What a, what a great natural talent. He took his talent to the NBA. What are your thoughts on uh, Byron Davis? Yeah, I think, you know, before he hurt his knee, I think he would have probably, you know, been a Hall of Famer. Uh, I, I met Baron Davis maybe eighth grade. He came up right. to the Drew League as a young player playing in that pro league. Uh, he was right. on my team. And then I met his sister, uh, Lisa. Uh, so when he was in the ninth, tenth grade, I was haunting his skills, uh, uh, believe it or not, up at UCLA. Uh, at that time, because uh, he was going to Crossroads in Santa Monica, I was close right. to his high school coach, Daryl Roper, former Fremont Pathfinder, was nice. Baron Davis' coach, because Baron Davis grew up over off of town by Fremont High. Okay. Uh, but, he, but, he, but he, you know, commuted over to St. Monica, you know, uh, Crossroads in the Santa Monica area. But Baron Davis was a talented individual. Uh, he had everything you had in a package he can handle. He had crossover. He had super bounce. Uh, He had a high IQ for his age. He was only 5'9 or 5'8 in the ninth grade. Then he grew to about 6'2 in the uh, 11th grade. Then he shocked about about 6'4, 6'5. So 
he kind of had the little man complex, then he got bigger and stronger, then he formulated to become a beast. Wow. Wow. And again, another very intelligent point guard. And, and man. man. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, he can do it. And then, and then uh, one of my favorite uh, players of all time, really, and one that I've always admired because uh, until recently, right, and we all got to give him a chance, Coach Cronin. Uh, oh. Tyus Endy was at UCLA for 14, 15 years. It didn't matter who the coach was. Right. Tyus Endy stayed because he's so consistent, right? Oh, I love this guy. No, I love him. I, lo I love everything Tyus Ebony represent. Uh, I met that young man when he was at UCLA through Coach Harrick. Right. Got a chance to work with him in the summer, but his personality, his spirit. As Is he the fastest guy you've ever seen from in and in? Oh, man, you saw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tyus Ebony. Yeah, I, I saw him last year. He was, that's right before Cronin came in, but he's a, he's a wonderful. He still looks like he can play. Man, the guy looked 20 years old. I mean, he's he's not aged at all. At all. At all. At all. I'm sure we'll see him. Uh, I guess my favorite team right now in the Big West is Northridge, right? <laughs> Coach Eric. <laughs> I don't think Ty Zinni can be too far behind. Watch out for Northridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. They had a better year last year, you know? Yeah, oh, I, spent, awesome. I, spent, I spent four years up at Northridge as a strength coach. It was oh, nice. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. So now uh, we got Hall of Fame. We introduced Hall of Fame coach, and now he's going to give us some insight. And uh, you know, we're fortunate that um, um, we live in the richest country in the whole wide world, right? right? And that sports betting has now been legalized in 22 states. However, uh, around 30 to 35% of our downloads are in uh, areas around the country uh, that are so-called uh, lower income areas. However, there's a strong underground economy that'll turn up economy a higher economy that takes our information and they monetize it, right? And right. that's one way to combat income inequality. So coach is now going to make us all a lot of money and we're going to make coach money too. <laughs> so he can spoil the grandkids. <laughs> and he's going to give us insight because uh, I'll, I'll repost it again. We have the top 10 rules because the same way uh, you pick a security, right? Because right. I'm in financial services. So I got securities right. licenses. I have an MBA, MBS. Right. Uh, my claim to fame was $5,000 in a all-white community in rural Florida, Pinellas Park. 80% of the houses are trailer parks. And I sold that restaurant for $600,000. That's only something God can do. But faith yeah. without works is dead. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of what we're teaching, we're combining what coaches... Uh, given us and what coach has given us from a mathematical technical business standpoint yeah. is what they call fundamental analysis. So coach yeah. is going to give us some fundamental analysis on all the teams that aren't the Lakers and the Clippers. And we'll go one by one. Okay. You want to go bottom up or top down? You can go bottom up. All right. 
because uh, these teams are interesting, and I would like you to educate us too on your thoughts on the importance of role players uh, that we talked about earlier. How how serious it is. Oh yeah, role players coming up. So let's start with from the bottom. Uh, start with the Sacramento Kings. Okay. Yeah, I I, I like this team. Uh, they're a young team. Uh, you know, with Marvin Bagley and Fox. Uh, I like Luke Walton. I, I think you got to give him a little time, though. I think he was under a lot of pressure. Okay. I think he'll do a better job at Sacramento. They seem to have a pretty good uh, perimeter team. Uh, I think they're a year, two years away from being a really uh, a team that can play above 500 and be a, a team that can get the six to eight spot in a couple of years. I think they got a ways to go, but I like the direction that they're headed right now. Wadi uh, Givax, the, it's the yeah. general manager. Yeah, and I, I guess you'd confirm maybe what uh, Brandon first was convincing me of, that uh, Coach Walton hasn't, and you're as a veteran coach would know, he hasn't really developed yet as a coach. Yeah, it's like you say, I, I don't think he's found his niche yet, uh, but I think he has a lot of wisdom. I, I think he's bright. I think the players like him. And I think that's a, a big asset in, in sports today is that the players got to like the coach. Right. Uh, you know, you make them uh, what you call a die for. Uh, and I think he has that uh, canny ability about him to have players that really like him and buy into him. Right. So – in the bubble and what was going on out, uh, the lack of depth. And I'm speculating about this, but you know, that's why I love you having on the podcast because we can speculate, but you know, uh, and you can tell me when I'm wrong because I'm often wrong. No, no, I, only, I only agree with my wife about 50% of the time. And uh, Brandon first tells me when, when I'm wrong too. So am I wrong to think that uh, maybe teams like the Kings, maybe they don't have the depth, but maybe the Rockets, uh, teams that play fast, you know, have an advantage uh, with uh, the bubble and then going into the playoffs, especially maybe in the beginning before teams really get in shape. I, I think you you right. I, I would say the first four to five games in the bubble, I think it's an eight game before the playoffs. I think the four and five is just kind of finding your rhythm, right. uh, your legs versus practice legs versus game legs. But I think after you see four or five of the regular season games in the bubble, you'll start seeing the trend go back to normal. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. That's valuable information for a coach that, that we'll be able to monetize. And, uh, yeah, sports betting will be legal in California in uh, 2021. Mm, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, now our thought process, and, and we'll – We'll uh, we'll be selfish and have you as you know as as our expert, but you don't have to comment on this. But our conspiratorial thoughts between first and myself, we felt that the Pelicans got their the the teams they're playing against. <laughs> You're smiling. You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> their winning percentage is about three hundred, and the Trailblazers, uh, the people they have to, it's almost seven hundred. Their winning percentage. And we don't think it's an accident, Coach. Uh, if you could talk to, what do you think? Because that's, in a way, and you got an underrated coach too, right, who's done something with nothing 
a lot of times. Now he has a little bit of talent over there, young talent. But you're saying Lonzo Ball, uh, Zion, if you can break us down on Zion. Is he hype? Is, is he is, is he hype? Or is he for real? You got Lonzo, you got Brandon Ingram, and you got um, – uh, those are the former Lakers. Though. Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Zion. Yeah, they're and very – yeah, they're a very interesting team, right? Right. Uh, they have a lot of upside, as you say, in sports. Right. Uh, my opinion on Zion Williams, uh, at Duke, I was still had a lot of questions, marks about him about the weight. I'm, I'm still a little concerned about the weight, how healthy he's going to be. And every expert says that. So I'm not saying nothing that nobody else would say, but he's an, right. explosive, he's an explosive player. And one thing I've watched, right, you got to watch these players. That's a star. Like he's starting to become other players start watching him and it makes him even better because right. they're not really playing against him. They starting to watch him. And got when it. you start to watch like playing against Michael Jordan and them great ones, you start watching them while you're on the court and then they become more dynamic. So right. I think he's starting to get that around the league that they're watching him and he's gonna, he's really gonna tear up the league because they're watching him versus playing against him. Yeah. And uh, Lonzo Ball, I still got my question marks about him, but he has come a long way. You would have picked uh, DeAndre Fox over Lonzo Ball if you were a GM. Uh, exactly, yes, yes I would have, yes I would have. Yeah, I like Fox speed, I like his creativity and I like his guts. Right, right intestinal fortitude that mental toughness you know Back. which you know if this was a different situation that's what you would go to war with now in business right in fundamental analysis when you pick a stock you 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 look at the corporate governance right and the corporate governance we're here would be alan gentry as you can tell us about his coaching style and i would guess right it's a fast style that it's probably going to be you know advantageous early on yeah, well, I think it fits his, his, his style of players. Uh, right. I, I think this up-tempo basketball, I, I have mixed emotions about it. I, right. I think that's a team that's in the future that'll be a playoff team for the next five years. Uh, Born, they don't lose no players and no trades. But looking at the – even though you say the schedule they're going against is a 30% a schedule, I'm not sure if that's how you pr pronounced it, but – that's a better I, I way of saying what I said. But but I, I I'm gonna go back over it after I, I get off tonight. But when I looked at their schedule, their schedule is about as tough as any. They play a lot of playoff because you're the expert. You know, we're yeah. looking at through one eyes, but you're the expert. You're the one that knows. Yeah, I, I looked over their schedule because when I look at them, they're not a team that you would say be a favorite in every game. So Got every you. game they win, they're gonna struggle also. So oh, that's very valuable to us. And we talked about it. Uh, they're inflated line. So when an expert like you knows, knows, and the public goes the other way, they call that an inflated line. And we monetize that. We make that money for all of us. Very interesting. Very interesting. And now, uh, I think his, his name is, is, is Stutz, or you, uh, the coach at um, New Orleans, because really, other than McCallum, and Damian Lillard, nobody, I would have to struggle to think about other guys on the Trailblazers, right? right well, and, and, and this is the way we look at it, right? You're going to give us the technical side, and we'll give you the, the business marketing side. From a business marketing side, we look at, okay, how are they going to fix this, right? Adam Silver, right? And we'll talk about it next week. I'll send you the email. But Adam Silver, 
uh, has donated over, you know, $32 million to Duke University, right? Mm. <laughs> He's on the board of Duke. And where's Zion from? <laughs> Duke. <laughs> so that's why we're saying that Damian Litter and friends were put in a maybe less than advantageous situation. But if you could talk to that coach, who seems like he, um, from our vantage point, he does uh, more with less. And and Damian Lillard, man, he's oh yeah, yeah, Terry Stouts, yeah, he yes. he come out of that George Carl tree. Got it, got yeah. it. It makes sense now. Yeah, he's a he's a very uh, sturdy type coach, very well respected with his players. Now they they have a Carmelo Anthony is an interesting player with the weight loss. Got it. Now I I want to I want to see how he play on the defensive end. But offensively, I think he's going to step up a little bit. This team is a, a little tricky. I just, when I looked at their schedule too, I, I think they're going to be hard set to, to catch Memphis. I think that first game back in the bubble, they right. play Memphis. So that game going to be critical for Portland when they first come to the bubble in the eight-game regular season. If they lose that game, they can almost write their ticket for the playoffs for Portland. So, yeah, that's how I see Portland. A dangerous team, I don't like their depth. I think their depth is a little bit questionable. They got some young players over there, Gary Trent Jr., uh, you know, Nashor Little, some of these guys over there. I like Zach Collins, though. I do like Zach Collins from Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah, I like him from Gonzaga, WCC, right? Yeah, right, WCC. <laughs> and uh, we we have uh, one of one of the, the owners of the podcast, uh, Raider Jim, and uh, we'll we'll get you so you can start watching our podcast. He comes in and he does the horses in Del Mar, and he told me, "Hey, watch out for the Miami Dolphins. You got to start picking them, and they won eight in a row." That's Raider Jim, <laughs> and he's the one who's good friends and got us Tim Conway Jr. from KFI. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. And, and to connect it with you, you, I, and uh, we call him the PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles, Dr. First. Yeah, Philadelphia uh, Eagles. You and I will have a little birdie at KFI, right? We can see. <laughs> we're, we're providing NBA picks. And, man, you're giving us, especially depth. Depth is a good determination. So, uh, to recap, the Portland Trailer Blazers do not have the depth we would prefer on this level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and talk to us, speak to us about Morat and the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, I really like this team. Uh, I, I think they've done a wonderful job. They've had a lot of, you know, general managers, front office changes. And to get a rookie of his uh, potential and talent, to put him in a spot to be in the playoff right now with a three-game lead, I think, on all the other teams outside the bubble is very impressive. He'll win rookie of the year. He, he may get some votes for all league, but that young kid is a fantastic. I like Dylan Brooks, former Oregon Duck player. Right. He, he lost a lot of weight and he changed his game. That, that's a question I like to ask. What what was the thought process in the way he was when we saw him at Oregon? And it was crazy, right? right. Crunch time in the final four, coach sat him down. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like I liked it that Oregon team with Jordan Bell. Now my guy, oh, yeah. That, oh, man. Yeah, Jordan Long Beach Polly, but. Yes. Uh, I like they won me money. I'll I'll say this. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, North Carolina was minus six, and I was like, that's easy money with Jordan Bell because he reminded me, right, of when you were playing, where where people protected the post. (laughs) People protect the post the way when you you played. 
Hey, I, re I really like Jordan Bell. He's a, he's what I call a tough nail. He's a little undersized, right. but uh, I, I think he's, uh, he's worth a, a free agent. And I think he just signed with Cleveland or somebody, but that Oregon team was good. Memphis is a dangerous team, but I, you know, if they get in the first round and I got them getting in, I want right. you to know that. Oh, I don't, I got, all right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I, I just don't think uh, with a three-game lead with eight games to play, right? Uh, it's going to be very, very hard for the other teams to catch Memphis. I like Memphis. Nice, Memphis. So the, no, he's a he's a dynamic uh, player, and uh, and we'll get to, to this a little later, but we'll get to it now that I'm thinking about it because you mentioned that. Uh, you know, three-game lead with eight games to play. When you're looking at, let's say, uh, Rockets, Thunder, Jazz, Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers, is at least the first couple of games more like training camp, like you said, or, or you know, developing the legs, like you said, from practice legs to game legs. And then yeah, you have to get to playoff legs pretty quick. Yeah, for the Lakers and Clippers and the teams that's locked in, the Rockets, Denver, and all them teams, they're going to do a little more experimenting versus the teams outside the bubble that's trying to catch the three-game lead where they'll try to stick to maybe eight to nine solid. They won't go as deep. But I think the other teams will expand their roster, look at players they normally don't look for, for sparing minutes, uh, and you might find some sleepers on the roster because I think each team is carrying 17. I'm not sure how many they're going to dress a game night. Is it 15? But the top echelon teams will experiment a little bit more than the teams outside of the bubble. They're going to go for it. Memphis will play. They, they won't experiment too much. Portland going to stick to the guns. San Antonio stick to the guns. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And you got Coach Carlisle at Dallas. Uh, and I think, uh, in my, my mind, this is a team who might have benefited from the pandemic, right? Oh, yeah. I think they could have, I think they had to get a little more healthier. Right. Uh, they're, they're a dangerous team. I, I think their problem is they're in the West. I think they got to try to move up into that sixth spot. I don't know what Houston going to do when they come back, but I'm high on Houston. But Dallas got to get out of that seventh. That seven spot is a danger. That's the Clippers. Whoa. So anybody else, even the Lakers, I give Dallas a chance got against the Clippers. That, that they got to get out of the seven and get to the six. Yeah, right. Am I thinking right? It, 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 to me, you know, it's selfish, and you guys can tell me, you know. But uh, man, for me, every Monday night it's going to be like Christmas because <laughs> I get a lot of things clarified because in my mind right when you say the Clippers I say the Porzingis and the other European kid right right uh, from yeah Luca from Czechoslovakia right that that part those guys would get manhandled by you know Patrick Beverly's of the world yeah what happened is I like you they'll throw the numbers at Got it. Uh, uh, you know, you throw Beverly at him in a minute. You throw Paul George at him, and you throw Kawhi Leonard at. Wear him so, down. So they're gonna throw the three-headed monster at Luke. You know, Porzinga, He's kind of on the he's he's on the perimeter a lot. So and he's still recovering from that injury, right? An yeah, injury he, like he, that he, takes you at least a year, year and a half. 
Yeah, but he's still a factor because he's seven right. six, seven five, or something. He can like shoot, that. yeah. Well, he's talented. Yeah, you got to give him his credit. The guy's very talented. But against the Clippers, I I just don't see the the firepower. Right. And they they can double down on Luca. Right. And uh, again, the Rockets now, uh, now for us. So you know how how we are. <laughs> oh, you know uh, how we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the number one rule for us is you never bet your own team. But I got, are you a little bit biased? Well, you got the Houston Rockets. against your guy. I mean, you have I, to be, I, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Hall of Fame player, all world player. You, know? <laughs> you have yeah. every right to be biased. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm biased, you know, because of James Harden. I, I want to see him get a chip like anybody else. You know, you want to see some of the great players before their career end, they win a championship. And I think this is a good opportunity for the Rockets. Uh, right. I, I, I like the Rockets. I just- Let I me ask it. you this, right? Because okay. uh, this is a, uh, and I guess Wes had ran this offense, but he didn't really run it when he was with the Lakers. A, can an offense like that win a title, right? And uh, what are your thoughts on, because you've seen Coach Herrick and all you guys have the analytics in your head. You got the numbers in your head. You don't have to do what Daryl Morey does and bring it out a computer to try to run run the team. Well, it's like anything else. I think you need a plan B. Right. I, I think I think the plan A going to run into trouble. I, I coached in the ABA in 2001 and I played against Paul Westhead. Not to brag, but I, I was with the San, I was with the San Diego team down there, and we oh, did nice. we did beat them. And I game plan to beat that offense, so that offense can be slowed down because you Got see it. it all the time. Got it. So when you see an offense all the time in a seven game series, right, right? You can defend it different. That's why the Rockets had trouble. But if they hitting the three point shot at a high rate, they win. Remember that game seven against the uh, Warriors or game six? They missed. 27 straight threes. Yeah. If they hit four or five of them threes, they might have won a championship that year. So you can't say the philosophy don't work because it, it do work, Got but it. in seven-game series, you're going to run into some problems. Got it. Got it. And for me, the, right, the key for them, and I guess Nene's hurt, right? Nene's not going to play. Yeah. Uh, P.J. Tucker's going to play? Yeah, P.J. Tucker's is a warrior. Uh, Their problem going to be rebounding got it i don't think it'll be perimeter defense they're pretty good on the perimeter elston turner does a great job as a defensive coach i played in the cda with elston elston is a great defensive coach i think on the defensive end they'll be able to cover the perimeter but what they're gonna have problems is when the shot hit the rim can they get the rebound right so it'll help them if uh tyson chandler has anything left in the tank right Right. Can he get the rebound? Is right. his mobility and, and his activity good enough? I don't know if he has the same activity. So they're going to struggle on second. If they giving up second shots, that's like a balloon, right? Losing right. his win. And that's right. what's going to happen. The air going to come right out the balloon. And, and one last question on, uh, on the Rockets. It seems to me that when uh, Eric Gordon has it going. Oh, yeah. They're in trouble. That's a three-year three-guard offense, right there. <laughs> hey, that's it. No, if Eric Gordon come back healthy, that's that three-headed monster that 
He brings a lot to the table to relieve some pressure off of Westbrook and Harden just to hit that big shot. And I think you you touched on a great point there. He is the X factor for the Rockets. Wow. We got the encyclopedia of basketball to help us. Me and we oh, learned so I much on it. this podcast. <laughs> Christmas every Monday night. And the teams we're going to close with are going to be the Thunder, the Jazz, and the Nuggets. Uh, in the bubble, right, you, you look at the Thunder, and they've had a better year than a lot of people thought. Uh, Chris Chris Paul has uh, yeah. behaved himself, <laughs> for lack oh, of yeah. a better word. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Billy Donovan, uh, oh. he, he's, uh, he, he was making a lot of money in Florida, no state tax, and then he had a private school investment. He was doing well in Florida, but he wanted a coach in the NBA. Like you said, it had nothing to do with money. It had a, he wanted to be an NBA coach, and he wanted to win with defense. And I guess his contact is Coach Popovich. Oh, yeah. Let us know your thoughts on, on, on the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is a team, like you say, they kind of, to me, snuck up on everybody when Chris Paul went there. Right. Uh, they get the kid from the Clippers, uh, the, the young kid, Alexander. Right. And uh, they're getting Roberson back, who's a great defensive perimeter player. They got Steven Adams. Right. I think they got the Grant kid. I'm not sure. I think the Grant, one of his sons. Uh, this team... This team, I think, can get past the first round. Uh, I don't know who they're going to match up with. That three, four, five, and six right there. Three, four, five, and six, and seven is interesting in the eight-game bubble. But if they get the right matchup, this team, Oklahoma, could be dangerous with Billy Donovan and Chris Paul at the hands with some of that young talent around this team. Got to right. be and, and Am I thinking correctly, you as a Hall of Fame veteran coach, that – uh, you mentioned George Carl, right? Right. You got a guy like Billy Donovan, who's you know had a cup of tea in the in the NBA, a college guy. He in a small market team. To him, is like a, right a mental challenge to put a team of role players there. Man. Hey, he's hey. You got to give him credit. Right. This is a hey. The NBA is a real league. Right. And I mean, the, the, but he's pointing that business aspect, right? Because he's getting guys that they could pay for they're it. Buying in, they buying in. They, right. They, they're not overspending, and they just they're doing a wonderful job with the organization. They have revamped it. At one time, me and you know, they had Westbrook, right. James Harden, and Kevin Durant, and to be where they at today, that's a testimony to the front office and to the coach. Right. And now we go to another Duke guy. Right. A guy with a bunch of money as well who doesn't have to coach, but he wants to coach. He went all the way to Europe to coach. And now he's done a similar job, similar market with the Utah Jazz. Oh, yeah, very interesting team. Uh, I think Quinn Snyder is a great coach. I, I think he's another coach that players fight for. Right. I he think does. He, he, he gets yeah. to play every night. Yeah, so I think uh, – with that working for him, where players have died for him, and you know Mitchell's big time. You got Rudy Gobert. You know you you got a well-rounded team here that every night you know what you're gonna get with them. If Mike Conley steps up, they can really be dangerous. I think he's the X factor, Conley. If he plays big, he started off the season slow, but he picked it up. Man. This is he's, he's a phenomenal player. athlete. I remember him when uh, they went to the Final Four with Ohio State. Oh yeah, he with the big guy. Yeah, this guy got speed. Right, right. He got hurt. He was number one pick, but got hurt. Never played. He got that track background. 
that right. I really, that I really think is really uh, valuable in basketball. His speed can change the pace of a game. So I give him a chance to get out the first round. It's just who they match up with. Right. So matchup like boxing matchups. And they got a boy John Bojovic shooting forward, man. He shoots the lights out, huh? Yeah, he, yeah he, can, he can nail it down from the perimeter. And am I right? And this is like Christmas for me, so I apologize. <laughs> this will be a little longer, but am I right that uh, something my wife, uh, we were watching uh, Mo Wagner uh, that year in Michigan went, and uh, those guys have an advantage because they have a clear view of the basket because they're so tall, right? You got like huh. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the perimeter, yeah, yeah, they have it, they have advantage, and then over the top shot, I call it. But this team, Utah, is a dangerous team. They buy into the coach, and I think they can get past the first round, right. depending on the matchup. Depending on the matchup, and then one team uh, you always wonder about, because to me, from uh, a wagering standpoint, we call this a fake team, <laughs> a team that. They're good, right? They're good fundamentally. They remind me, and, and you can tell me more about the lineage, but in a way they remind me of Milwaukee as far as their position, the fact that they're good. They're good in the regular season, but in crunch time, the more talented teams beat them, right? Like the Lakers so forth. The Denver Nuggets, and, and if you can t uh, speak to the, their coaching philosophy, their coach, and they really rely on that European uh, center. Oh, yeah, they run everything through him because he's a very fundamental big. Joking. Yeah, he's a superstar in the NBA. So if you're going to start a team like the, the position they're in, they don't have like more key name players, but they, right. have, they have a team that I think buy into their coach also. Uh, they got good speed, though. They do right. have good speed. It's, if they got a deceptive, speedy team from one end to the next in the transition game. And the kid Murray is a pretty solid guard. I, I don't know if he's a star yet, but this is a team that I don't think will get out the first round. I'm like you. Okay. I don't want to like just sell them out. I'm right. going to give them a chance depending on the matchup, but I think they can get beat in the first round. If they if they if they if they're not on all their p's and q's, right. And for me, we'll close with this. You gotta admire, I think, for me, a guy like Paul Millsap, who oh yeah, may, hard worker. Yeah, may not, may not be the greatest talent in the world, but he's been in the league forever, and he yeah. always finds out to get to the playoffs. So he must have really good chemistry. He knows how to play, right? Yeah, I think he's an underrated player. Uh, number one, he's been underrated since he's been in the league. He's a hard worker. Uh, this guy goes out, he give you uh, all-star numbers. Uh, he's a physical player. Uh, look like he take the game serious. Uh, he, he approached to the game of basketball is real professional. And I give him a high, you know, earmarks for that young man. Yes. Absolutely. Well, wow. Christmas every Monday night with Coach Settle. Man, <laughs> yeah. we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. I, I, you know, I love sports in general, but basketball and the playoffs is coming up. And I think I'm excited that, you know, to be on the podcast and to be able to give you the insight from the, you know, the fundamentals of the game and the strategies of different coaches and, you know, and oh, absolutely. how players approach the game. Absolutely. A lot of fun. And uh, man, too, 
You gotta get ready too when college basketball comes up. <laughs> oh yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so kindly. And we'll thank get into the good doctor. We'll take us home with Winston Churchill. Okay. All right, Brandon. Well, uh, thank you. That was awesome, by the way. And um, it, it was in my favorite part. Uh, I thank you. I wasn't sure if Josh was going to go there, but what we started about earlier with um, the, the NC State game and the the mental toughness, um, I think that's one thing. Um, unfortunately, I'm part of this generation, but I think that's what our one generation needs right well, we're now. We're pulling you up, Brandon. You're getting coached. You know, and hey, it's all good. <laughs> we, we need to own it. That that you no, need no. to. You're gonna have days where where it, wow. you're gonna fail, um, and Correct. you have to you have to pick yourself up and keep going because life doesn't really care. Tomorrow's a new day. You got to keep rolling. That was definitely my favorite part of all of it. What so a I story, think, man! He goes no, I really, I really round and he dominates the camp. Uh, yeah. I was the last pick in the seventh. You know that year, nineteen. You know, eighty-three, and to be able to come off the missed free throws and make an NBA roster at that time, I was really proud of myself and you know i get god all the credit at that time that when i was a little boy i just wanted to play in the nba he didn't tell me how many years i was i got a couple of years in but i shot 50 percent in the nba i don't want to get into the the analytics of what happened then but, those are jumpers folks 50 yeah but, I, but, but the mental toughness i think it came from the you know the neighborhood fremont high school it was kind of gang, you know, gang infested at the right. time. Oh, no, I remember it. And it's not, I remember those days. They when you know, they would be like 13, 14, 15 deep walking the street. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, that's when the Crips was really rampant. Yeah. And I, you know, I had to walk to school every day and, and, and you know, deal with people on campus. And I had to be a, a people person first, try to be honest with people and, and just stay away from trouble. But it, it built a mental toughness in me. Uh, to go on and you know know that if you can get through a school like that in South Central that you can really kind of survive anywhere. Wow. Awesome. Well, thanks again and uh, as Josh right. said, we will finish with uh, our our Winston Churchill quote with uh, you make a living by what you earn but you make a life by what you give. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a wonderful night. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. And of course, Mondays just stepped up a whole new level. So we'll be back with you next week. We get you ready for uh, basketball in the bubble. Thanks again, everybody. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast that helps us make 70 to 80 percent of your bets now download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started my brothers All the best there is.